Thank you, John Avant. That was a beautiful, beautiful song. The words. Mm. Can't we thank the Lord for what he's done for us? It's amazing. You know, we live in a world today that is full of people. I mean, crowds everywhere. And yet the Lord knows every person, every name, every experience that everyone has gone through, and he loves us. That's the amazing thing. And I'm so thankful. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning and thank you for this Sunday morning and the opportunity we have to study your word together. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be the teacher, that your words will come forward, that you'll take me, Lord, and set me aside and hide me behind your cross, Lord. We think of John the Baptist and how he said he must increase but I must decrease. May that be true of us, Lord. May people see Jesus in us, and may we decrease, and may he increase. And Father, we just thank you for your spirit and pray that you'll have a blessing and portion for each one of us today. And we just commit it to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, there's no one like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. He is the incomparable Christ. He's the one that brings eternal life, forgiveness. He's the one who gives us peace. He's the one who gives us hope. And he's the only one that can do it. The other day on Friday night, I was watching the basketball game between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. And L.A. beat them very badly. And after the game, they always have the winning coach who gives a press conference and the losing coach who gives a press conference. And I just happened to see it. I don't usually watch those press conferences too often. And George Carl was just in another zone. He was so upset because nobody on his team could guard Kobe Bryant. Nobody could stop him. Nobody could guard him. And he was, he was just enamored with that thought. And all of a sudden he said this, and this made me very angry, but this is what he said. Even Jesus could not guard him. I got so angry and upset, I, I felt like knocking on the TV and saying, hey, coach, who do you think Jesus is? Yes, if he was a mortal man, then you could just put him in the same category with your team and all this, and nobody could guard Kobe. Even Jesus couldn't. But if Jesus is really who he said he was, the Son of God, God come in the flesh, then there's nothing that he can't do. There's no one that he can't guard. And I thought, well... He could guard Kobe Bryant, yes, and he could hold him scoreless. And then he could take King James with him and put him on the court, and he could hold him scoreless at the same time. And then he could put Dwight Howard, and he could put him on the court and hold him scoreless, and every great player and every basketball player, because Jesus is God. He's different. He's not just an ordinary man. And Jesus came from heaven, he came down, as we heard in the breaking of bread this morning, for you and I, because he loved us so much. He loved that coach who made that comment that doesn't know what he's saying. It's like the Lord Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, or he knew not what he was saying, because he doesn't know Jesus. Because once you know Jesus, you know he's different, he's special, he's your personal Lord and Savior. He has changed your life. As we sang this morning, he has touched you. He has touched me. And I'm so thankful for that. 
The title of our message this morning is this, Mission of Mercy, Labor of Love. That's why he came. He had a mission of mercy to touch us, to save us, to give us hope and salvation, and he would did it as a labor of love as unto our Heavenly Father. I'd like to share a few thoughts from a man named Gregory of Nassanius. He wrote these words in 381 A.D. 381 A.D. about Jesus. He said he began his ministry being hungry, yet he was the bread of life. He ended his earthly ministry being thirsty, yet he was the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, and yet he cast out demons. He wept, and yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. I love that. This man, Gregory, 381 A.D., the same Jesus who was alive at this time in the world is the same Jesus we have today. Oh, we look at our society and we say, Lord, it's messed up, and it is. We look at churches today that are more interested in entertaining the congregation than convicting them, more interested in talking about love and good feelings than talking about sin and how God has to forgive us of our sin. Yes, that's all true, but Jesus never changes. The scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. His love will never diminish. His power will never fail. He alone is our personal Lord and Savior. He's the incomparable Christ. And so it's a mission of mercy, and it's a labor of love. Please turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4 this morning and verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. I was thinking of a totally different subject for the message, but after I heard that comment by the coach, and after I was reading in the Gospel of Mark some similar thoughts, and I turned to this portion in Matthew, I said, Lord, I think this is what you want for us for Sunday. And it's a, such a blessing because it goes along with what John Yvette was singing too. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went out through all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. May God bless the reading of his word and encourage our hearts today. We just want to look at four things from this passage briefly this morning. First of all, Jesus went about. Secondly, 
he preached and taught the people. Third, he healed all. And fourth, he drew the multitudes. And may God encourage us this morning. With such a beautiful breaking of bread today and how the Lord came down. He came down. And the Lord Jesus lived one of the shortest lives. I mean, he only lived in this world for 33 years. And then shrink that down to the fact that he lived only, his ministry, his earthly ministry, was only three years. It's amazing. But what Jesus did in those three years was more than all the philosophers, all the historians, all the politicians, all the great people of this world. Because he alone is the Son of God. And he alone did so many great and mighty things. If we put on our sanctified imagination, as Bill likes to say, and I like that expression very much, imagine how many miles the Lord Jesus Christ traveled. First of all, coming from heaven down to this world. That right there is a huge amount. And then when he began his earthly ministry, where he went was on foot most of the time. Now, they had other transportation. They had donkeys. They had horses. But I believe that Jesus walked more than anything else. And think, if every day the Savior walked a certain number of miles, some people speculated he may have walked even as many as 20 or 25 miles a day. That seems kind of high, but let's say, if it was that, that at the end of his earthly ministry, he would have walked some 22,000 miles. You know, we walk, we get tired, don't we? We run, we get tired. Sometimes my dad goes out, well, every day he goes out and walks four miles a day, my, my father. Adel, my best father, he walks sometimes six miles a day, and he walks fast, too, as those of you who have ever walked with him will testify to that. And walking is such a good thing. We do it for exercise. We do it for sport. Jesus did it for transportation. He got tired. In his earthly body, he got tired. But he loved the people so much, he said it's worth it. He loved you and I so much, he said it's worth it. Every step he took was out of love. Every mile he went was because of his grace and mercy to us who don't deserve it. Even our Savior said in Matthew 5.41, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Jesus didn't just go the first mile or the second mile. He went all the way to the cross for you and for me. And that's amazing to me. And like Mike was sharing at the breaking of bread this morning, he knew before time even began what his sufferings on the cross were going to be, how painful it was going to be. When he was in the garden, he had great drops of sweat like blood because he knew the price that was going to be paid. He was going to die for the sins of the world. He was going to suffer unbelievable pain and agony, and he was willing to do it. Sometimes on Wednesday night, we sing that beautiful song, and it says, He came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. We can be thankful for that this morning, that Jesus was willing to do it because it was the Father's will. He even told his disciples in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He was not going to be satisfied until the mission was accomplished. 
You know, a lot of times we hear that expression, mission accomplished. But when Jesus said it, it took on real meaning because he accomplished our salvation. And I can't believe how all these things fit together because that was what Mike read from the 18th chapter of John. It is finished. The mission was truly accomplished. Jesus didn't need to add to it. Nothing could be taken from it. When he died and rose again, our salvation was secure. And by putting our faith and trust in him, we can have eternal life and salvation. And we praise God for that. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus, period. It's what he did for us on the cross. How far was he willing to go? All the way. In our lives, sometimes we think, Lord, it's difficult. This road is difficult. This journey is tough. This cross I'm called to bear is, is very hard. But the Lord says, keep going. Remember, my child, I went all the way to the cross for you. And when Jesus says that to you, doesn't that give you new impetus to just keep going for the Lord? Keep serving him. Keep loving him. Keep telling others about him because he did that for us. So the first point this morning is Jesus went about all Galilee. He started his ministry there in Galilee, and it spread over the whole land. And if you want to, after the meeting, I'd like to show you the map because it has it here. You won't be able to see it too well, but see this map here on this page? The red is where Jesus went. Look how many places he went, back and forth, over and over. There's a woman at the well I've got to meet up with. There's a woman that has the issue of blood for 12 years. I've got to see her. There's a paralyzed man. I've got to meet him. There's a leper who needs cleansing. He knew where he was going. It wasn't just a random thing where they set up a press conference and said, we're going to be in Nazareth tomorrow. Come see Jesus. No. Jesus, by the power and guidance of the Spirit of God, went to a certain place knowing who he would touch who he would change, who he would help. And that's the amazing thing. Nothing happens by accident. It's all according to God's wonderful plan. It's a mission of mercy, and it's a labor of love. That's why Jesus could say to the Father in, ja in John 17, 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. What a mission it was. And he went to the cross and finished it. He finished it. You know, some people in life are not good finishers. They start well. Oh, they look good. They start so well, whether it's a race or a basketball game or whether it's some kind of task you're doing. You start off well, but you don't finish. Jesus is the ultimate finisher. You know, in basketball, when they say finish it, the person goes up to put the ball in, and it's not finished until it drops through the hoop. And they call that person a good finisher. And then you see some of them, they go up to dunk and they clang it off the back iron and they're all laughing. He couldn't dunk it from one inch, you know, and he put it up, he couldn't do it. Not a good finisher. Jesus is the ultimate finisher. And he wants us to finish the race that he has set before us too. He's given us a mission of mercy and he's given us a labor of love in this world to reach out to people as he did. Secondly, he preached and taught. You know, it was Jesus' custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, open up the scriptures, and read it to the people. And that's what he did. And it says in Luke 14, 4, 16, it says, So he came to Nazareth 
where he had been brought up. And as his custom went, was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. That's amazing. And in Nazareth, that was his hometown. And they rejected him in Nazareth. They said, who is this Jesus? We know where he's from. Where did he get all this education? Where did he get all this learning? We know his mother. We know his, his father. We know his, his siblings, all of them. We know where he's from, where his house is. And we know he didn't study at a seminary. We know he never went to, to these formal schools. Where did he get this knowledge? Where did he get this wisdom? And it says they stumbled over him. And it says Jesus could not do many miracles there because of why they're unbelief. Unbelief. That's why Jesus spoke to the people and he said, be it done to you according to your faith. And that's what he does. If we come to him in faith, he saves us. He gives us the power. He gives us the encouragement. Yes, Jesus had a great ministry. And he would preach and he would teach. And I'm sure he got tired. There was even times where he had the boat out in the water. And he set up the, his ministry there and preached all day to the people. Remember, he called 5,000. And another time he spoke to 4,000. And then, after preaching to them, he served them the food. That's amazing. We oftentimes kid Debbie on Fridays because she cooks us such a great meal. And if I, if I speak too highly of it, Mike says it'll be, you know, everybody will come on Friday. We can't fit them all in their house, but it's a great time. And Debbie makes a great meal. Well, not only does she cook the meal, but she serves the meal. And it's not only serving. She literally serves plate after plate. person comes to the kitchen, she serves them. And that is in a greater scale what Jesus did. He said, bring it to me. And they brought the food they had, the fish and the, and the loaves, and he blessed it, and he fed all those people. How many of you have saw that to Toyota commercial on TV where the man <laughs> is a salesman, and all the people are in the neighborhood, and they're starting to, to wait. They're watching this man. He's at his mailbox. He starts to run. And then they all start to follow him, and they're running to the Toyota dealership. It's a great ad. And then... The poor salesman, he looks up and he sees this huge crowd coming. His eyes get big. How can I handle all these people? He can't. Jesus can. He can handle the crowds. He can handle the huge people that came to him. But he could also work with that person one on one. He could stop right in the middle of the road and touch the blind man. He could stop right in the middle of the road where that woman was that had the issue of blood and heal her right on the spot. And that's what he did so many times. He had time for the individual, not just for the masses. And that's the amazing love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why people flock to hear him. They love to hear his teaching. And the lesson for us is that we need to have open hearts for whatever the Lord has to speak to us. And the gospel is going forth today in every language, in every culture. And we're thankful that we have the technology with the computer and all the things we have and the cell phones to get the message across to people. And Jesus' message was not a popular message. It was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins. Come to the Savior. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he even said to them, he said, I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And so if a person doesn't believe they're a sinner, they can't be saved. There is absolutely no way you can be saved unless you believe you're a sinner. 
But it's not hard to believe, really, when you look at your life, your thoughts, any, thought, any sinful thoughts there? Any actions that you've committed that are wrong or sinful that you've done either today, yesterday, or years ago, or whenever it is? No, we have sin on the inside. We have the sin nature. We commit sin. Sin is odious in the sight of God. It has to be forgiven. It has to be cleansed. That's why Jesus came. He came to die for that sin so that we could have eternal life. Bill McDonald said in his commentary, when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, he was announcing his coming as king, king of the Jews, and explaining the terms of admission into his kingdom, and the miracles that followed showed the wholesomeness of his kingdom. Jesus came to die on that cross to bring us eternal life, and that's the amazing thing, and not to exclude anyone. In the world today, people are excluded. Oh, we don't include you here. You're not included. You're not, you're not wealthy enough. You're not powerful enough. You don't have enough success to be in our group, in our establishment. They have clubs. They have things that are exclusive. But Jesus was not exclusive. He was inclusive. And he included you and me. Aren't we glad of that? Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't say you're too bad for me to handle it? I've given you too many chances? No, he's not that way. His love is everlasting. His love is long-suffering. He puts up with us. He cares for us. And if you're not saved, he's still knocking at the door. You think, well, is Jesus going to finally go away? And you look out of your door and you say, he's still standing there. We've closed the drapes. We've turned the lights off. We've We've turned our phones off. We've turned our cell phones off. Nobody can get to me. Jesus is still knocking. He's still there. Yes, he's still there. And he's not going to leave until you open the door of your heart to him. Because he gives you the free will, the free choice. That is the key in life, is to make the choice to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. A.B. Simpson is reported to have said about the gospel, he says this gospel tells rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that the judgment of the guilty may be revoked, the condemnation of the sinner canceled, the curse of the law blotted out, the gates of hell closed, the portals of heaven opened wide, the power of sin subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the broken heart comforted, and the sorrow and misery of the fall undone. That is the power of the gospel. And it's a gospel that changes lives. It changed them then, and it changes it now. He's the same, and he can do it. Don't ever think that Jesus is like any other, because even people today, you say, oh, who is Jesus? Oh, he's a great teacher. Yes. Great preacher, yes. Great healer, yes, as we see in this passage. But he's more than that. He's the son of God. He's the one who can change us from the inside, not just from the outside. You know, they have all these reality shows today, Biggest Loser. I don't like to watch all those reality shows, but I've heard about it and things like that. The biggest loser is how much weight a person can lose. And then they bring them out and they clap for them because they lost all this weight. And it's a great thing. And that's a good thing to lose weight. But Jesus wants to change our hearts. 
That's what he's interested in. We're biggest losers, all right, because we're sinners. But he says, I want to take Dean. He's the biggest loser of a sinner, and I want to change him into a godly sinner. Only the Lord can do that. And we can all testify to that fact that he changes our lives. He gives us new thoughts, new desires, new plans, and we can be thankful for that. And the third thing he did here in this passage is he healed people. And I love in this passage how it tells us that. And there's a little word in this passage I'd like you to notice, and it's the word all. He mentions it four times in this portion of Scripture, the word all. He healed all, all sickness, all disease among the people. Jesus is the great healer. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If you had your choice today and you could be healed from all your pain, all your pain, We'll put that over here. Or you can be forgiven of all your sins. Which would you choose? Now, some people in the world today would immediately choose the, the momentary. Oh, I've got to have it because I've got a bad heart, or I've got bad feet, or I've got problems with cancer, or whatever it is. And oh, if I could just be healed, that would be great. But the wise person will say, yeah, that's the immediate. That would help me now. But I choose to be forgiven of my sins because that will wipe the slate clean with God and I can go to be with him forever. Yes, we're going to leave behind all of us pain and sorrow and agony and sickness. That'll be gone when we enter into eternity. But when you have your sins forgiven, you have an entrance to heaven. And that is what people should choose. But you notice today, people choose the physical over the spiritual so many times. So many times. And the devil is encouraging people to do that, to choose the physical. Jesus came. And when he healed people, he was always concerned about their souls. That's what John Yvette was singing in her song. He wants to heal our souls and heal us that way. He's the great physician. In Mark 3.10, it says, For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. Yes, they knew, like that woman, if they could just get near to Jesus and touch his garment, they would be healed. And they were. And he healed people. And he stayed long and he stayed over. You know, nowadays you have these baseball players that are making so many millions of dollars and the fans always complain that they don't stop and sign very many autographs anymore. And if they do, they charge for it. Back when we were kids, right, Vince, when we were kids, the, the players would come and they'd sign all the autographs and they wouldn't charge any money for it. But now it's all about money. It wasn't about that with Jesus. He didn't care. He didn't want the notoriety. He didn't want the fame. Although it says he became famous, he wanted to help people. He wanted to change lives. That's why he came. He came to impact this world, and that's what he did. Yes, because when we receive Christ, he becomes our personal Savior, our personal Lord, our personal King, and he will take us safely to heaven. And then in our final point, we see that he drew the multitudes to himself in verses 24 and 25. Notice it says, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, 
and those who are demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. I love the last four words there, and he healed them. I love that. And he heals people's lives. He's still healing people's lives. You know, notoriety and success in this world is so fleeting. I read about some names, and I'm going to read them to you. See if you recognize any of these names. Owen D. Young, Pierre Laval, Hugh S. Johnson, James F. Burns, Mohammed Mossadegh, Harlow Curtis. Has anyone, I challenge you, I don't remember ever, has anyone ever remembered hearing of any of these people? Raise your hand if you have ever heard of any of these people. Guess what? Every one of them was considered man of the year by Time Magazine. Every one of those gentlemen <laughs> was considered the one that had the greatest impact on the world in that particular year, man of the year. Well, if they had such an impact on the world, why don't we remember their names? Why don't we remember at least even one of their names? Because fame is so fleeting. But we remember Jesus Christ. We remember who Jesus was because he had the greatest impact of all. Not just a story in a history book, not just a, a great tale of a great teacher. He lives today to change us and make us whole, and it's such a beautiful thing. I can imagine if Jesus was alive today, the things that the message about his fame would go out in such ways as computers and cell phones would go out by television and radio and internet and newspaper, but they didn't have it in, in the days of Jesus. So they had to do it by word of mouth. They did it the old-fashioned way. They told their neighbors, they told their friends, did you hear about Jesus? Did you hear about this one who can heal blindness? Did you hear about this one who can raise people from the dead? Did you hear about this one who can cure paralysis and all these things? Did you hear about it? And they say, no, I didn't hear. Tell me. And they told the story person to person. And then as soon as they heard about it, that's when they flocked to him. They came to Jesus by the multitudes, and his impact was felt all through the land of Israel. And not only through the land of Israel, but all through the world. It's like when you go to a river, and you throw a rock in that river, and the and the stream and, and, the, and the thing, the rock goes out, a ripple effect, they call it, and it goes out over the whole thing. Jesus came as the rock, the rock of our salvation. He came to die, and the effect of his death and resurrection is still being felt by millions and billions of people. I can't wait to get to heaven because we're going to see all the people that were saved, all the ones in the Old Testament, based on what Christ was going to do on the cross, all the ones in the New Testament that were saved, all the people that have lived since then and even will live on in the future until he comes will be in heaven, and it's going to be great. And we're going to be able to understand each other in heaven because we'll be able to understand every language. We'll, we'll all speak the same language then, and it'll be such a great thing. We'll be able to talk to this woman who had the issue of blood or this flow of blood for 12 years, and John Yvette will she'll say, I sang your song. And the woman will say, I was blessed by that. And then John Yvette will say, well, I was blessed by your life and how Jesus touched you. And we'll be able to find out the stories of every single person. 
You know, it's interesting to me that some people in the Bible, their names are not mentioned. We have a lot of people like that. And we're going to find out in heaven what their name was, what they did, how they came to Jesus, how they were saved. And it's going to be a fantastic time. And guess what? We never have to go to bed. We don't have to leave. The meetings will go on. It'll be great. And you can just imagine how great it'll be in heaven. And sometimes Randy sings that story in that song about how the person comes to heaven and then all the people that come and thank him for touching their lives. And that's going to be amazing. The tears will flow there, I believe, because we will be so incredibly thankful to the people that touched us here on earth and all the ones in heaven. Yes, it's a blessing to know the Lord loves us so much. And you know, these multitudes who came to Jesus, some of them had bad motives. Some people of these in this group of multitudes that came, they came to see the miracle. They weren't really interested in the message. They just wanted to see Jesus perform some kind of a miracle, like he's a miracle worker. That's not a good motive. And some of them came because of the bread that they ate. They came because their bellies were full. That wasn't a good motive either. And Jesus knew the hearts of the people, and that's why he could say in the scriptures, in John 2, 24 and 25, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knew their motives, and yet he still loved people. And people came, and people came, and some people came to hear his words, and they heard. And when they came, they were touched, and they were saved, and they were genuinely born again. There was a story told of a preacher who was preaching the gospel one day by the name of D.M. Stearns in Philadelphia. And after his message, a person came up to him, this man, he was a stranger in the, in the congregation. He says, I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. I think it would be better to preach Jesus as the teacher and example. Stearns replied, if I presented Christ in that way, would you be willing to follow him? Oh, I certainly would, said the stranger without hesitation. All right, then, said the preacher. Let's take the first step. He did no sin. Can you claim that for yourself? The man looked confused and surprised. The preacher said, or he responded to the preacher, no, he says, I have sinned. Then he said, then the greatest need you have is to have a savior, not an example. Jesus does not want to be just a great example to us, a great teacher to us. We can't just come to him and enjoy hearing his words. We have to come to him as Savior because we have a need. We have sin. And the multitudes that came to him, and Jesus would say to them two things he said to this one man. He said, take up your bed and walk. And he also said, your sins are forgiven you. And he had the double blessing of being healed physically and healed spiritually. Now, we may not all get healed physically in this world. We may carry to the grave some of these afflictions that we have. But guess what? When we get to heaven, they'll all be gone. We will never have them again. And we can rejoice this morning that our Lord Jesus Christ came all the way from heaven. He walked mile after mile on those dusty roads. He was in hot weather and cold weather. He was up early, early in the morning and stayed up late, late at night. Why? 
because he loves people. He says, I have to reach that person. I have to meet that person. I have to help that person. They're waiting for me. And that's what he did. He did it all for us. And so when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, if you're willing to do that today, you'll find him a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll find a Savior who will say, I forgive you. I love you. And that's the best. And he is not only an example of a great teacher and a great preacher and a great healer, but he is our God. He is our Savior. He wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with each one of us. The vast majority of people in this world today will not choose Jesus. That's the sad thing. Doesn't that break your heart when you think that the vast majority, and that's vast majority, are rejecting Christ and the small minority are accepting him? That means we have to pray harder. That means we have to give our lives more. We have to sacrifice more. If Jesus was willing to go on the mission of mercy and labor of love for the Father, shouldn't we be willing to go on that same mission of mercy and that same labor of love, no matter if it's hard, no matter if it's tiring, to keep going until we hear the trumpet sound and we go to be with him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what really counts in life. It doesn't matter all the toys we have, all the money we have, all the success we have, these athletes and so forth that hold up the trophy, the person that wins. The other day, just as a side note, I was watching TV when I was home not feeling well, and I watched this, these kids doing the spelling bee. And, you know, they have a show on TV, too, called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? No, I don't think so. <laughs> not these fifth graders, I'm telling you. They were spelling the hardest words, and I was saying, I don't think I could spell that, and I don't consider myself a bad speller, but they had some tough words, and the, the girl got up there, and the last word was Laodicean from the book of Revelation, and I bet not very many people knew that was from the Bible. I bet, I bet, but she spelled that word perfectly and won the spelling bee. And so she got all this money and all this notoriety and all these things, and people win all these prizes, but is that really what counts in life? No. Because like we said, if they forgot all those Time Magazine men of the year, they forgot every one of them, and you forget all the teams that win the Super Bowl, and you forget all the World Series champions, and you forget all the Academy Award-winning actors and actresses, and you forget all the great movies, and you forget all of these things, don't forget Jesus because he never forgets. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, today. We thank you that you sent him to die for us, Lord. You, thank you, you sent him to come into this world to, to heal people and teach people. And the main mission was to go all the way to the cross. Lord, who are we as sinners to say we deserve your coming, Lord Jesus? We deserve your salvation. We don't. But we're thankful that you loved us with an everlasting love. And we thank you, Lord, that you offer the free gift of salvation to every person here, every person in the world. It's free. And all we have to do is reach out and take it. Lord, we have to open the door of our hearts. We have to say, Lord, I have sinned. I have messed up my life. I have run my own show too long. And we have to say, Lord Jesus, take my life. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart as my Savior. And when we do this, we will be saved. And we want to thank you for our salvation, Lord, and thank you for each person here. In Jesus' precious name, amen.